0: WLCC, Brandon,
1: Faith Talk Tampa, download the Faith Talk Tampa app
0: or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: John says that it's not knowledge that's everything, but practical righteousness that distinguishes one as born again, not knowledge practicing righteousness that's the evidence that you've been regenerated in
0: 1908 sir ernest shackleton and three companions began an attempt to reach the south pole they trekked for 127 days and very nearly starved to death in the failed attempt in his book the heart of the antarctic shackleton described how they talk incessantly about food describing elaborate feasts and exotic dishes that's how we should feel about righteousness Jesus said in Matthew 5-6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse consider it a blessing to be able to present to you Pastor Steve's clear and practical expository Bible messages. In our last broadcast, Pastor Steve began a new series of lessons from the first epistle of John. Many people believe that it's impossible to know our eternal fate. John wrote this letter to deal with exactly that question, and in it he spells out the clear evidences we can look at to know if we have eternal life or not. In our last class, we saw that one evidence of salvation is an eager anticipation of the return of Jesus. We call it the Blessed Hope. If you can't wait to see Jesus, then that's a pretty clear indication that you're one of His children. Open your Bible, if you can, to 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. Here's Pastor Steve to tell us about another sign of salvation.
1: See, that's really the context of 1 John. R- Remember, John is writing specifically not only to encourage true believers, but he's writing against the Gnostic false teachers who claim to know Christ. They said they know him. In fact, they built everything around knowledge. They claim to be genuine Christians, but they weren't genuine Christians. They, they were lost individuals. They were false teachers. They're false believers. Likewise, there are many today who verbally profess faith in Christ, but on that day that he comes back, they're going to be terrified. They're going to be terrified. They're going to shrink back in shame because they will be exposed for the phonies that they are. They're hypocrites. They're not real. But listen, even now, there is a way to know Who is a real Christian and who is a fake one? And John proceeds in the next uh, verse to tell us how we can spot a true believer and a phony one. He says in verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Now, for the first time, but certainly not the last time in this letter, John mentions the concept of being born again. He speaks of being born of him. The him in this verse is not Christ, but it is God the Father. And I say that because we read at the end, who is born of him. Scripture, unless this is the only only time never speaks of being born of Christ. It does speak of being born or begotten of the Father. So I take it that he's talking about the Father here. He speaks of being born of him, God the Father, which means that when we became his children at regeneration, the Father then placed his own nature in us. That's what it means to be born again. You receive a new nature. And what kind of a nature does God the Father have? Well, he's righteous. John says that. If You know that he's righteous and you know that those who uh, practice righteousness are born of him. He has a righteous nature. John says, if you know that he's righteous, understand this, God is perfectly right and holy in everything he does. Absolutely everything he does. Hosea 14.9 says, for the ways of the Lord are right. We need to remember that when things are not going well in our lives. God says the ways of the Lord are Right. Psalm 9, verses 7 and 8 tell us that his judgments are right. God never makes a mistake. Those he judges, he judges righteously. Psalm 145, verse 17 tells us that God is righteous in all his ways, not just some of his ways. All of his ways are righteous. Now, follow John's argument. Since God the Father, he tells us, is righteous, then it must follow that his children practice righteousness because in the new birth, they received his righteous nature. That's his argument. In other words, just as a child, child bears the likeness of his physical parents, so every child of God bears the moral likeness of the one who has begotten them spiritually, God the Father. Peter mentions this although he puts it as an exhortation. In First Peter chapter 1, notice what Peter says. It's sort of the, the same thing. First Peter 1, starting at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy peter says the holy one called us so be like the one who called you john says that you have been born of him so you will be like him now let's think about this for a few minutes because there are some who would question whether this is true this is true that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him in fact just recently i received a letter from a radio listener who disagreed with me and what i said in a message concerning the fact that believers do follow Christ and they are obedient to his word. Well, I wrote him back and tried to address what he brought up, but this is precisely, folks, what John is saying here. Everyone who practices righteousness is, John says, born of him. Now, what does John mean by practicing righteousness? Because, listen, there are many moral and decent and upright men and women in this world who are not believers in Christ. Though upright and moral and decent, they do not practice righteousness. They have not been born of God. What they do is not what John is talking about. So listen very closely. By practicing righteousness, John is not talking about outward behavior that looks good, that's upright moral, as I said, decent. Many Pharisees lived morally upright lives. They were faithful to their wives. They consistently observed their religion. They were kind to their children. They didn't curse. They were honest in their business dealings, and on and on it goes. To look at them would be to look at someone who was outwardly very moral and a decent individual. But that's not Practicing righteousness as the New Testament defines it. So what does John mean here? To practice righteousness essentially means, as my friend Rick Kress put it in his commentary, to actively pursue what God says is right in his word, in both attitude and action. Let me read that again. To actively pursue what God says is right in his word in both attitude, and action. In other words, it is to follow Christ by obeying his word in what you do outwardly and your attitude inwardly. And the way that John puts this, this is important, the way he puts this grammatically, he means that those who are born again make it their, note this, habit of doing righteousness. It is a habitual way of life. Now, as I said before, this doesn't mean that there won't be any sin in your life or that there will be perfect, uninterrupted righteous behavior. That's not what John is saying. But what he is saying is that the general direction of your life will be characterized by actively pursuing what God says in his word. What he says is, is right. It is the general direction of your life characterized by actively pursuing what God says is right in his word. And John says that everyone who lives like this has been born of God. Otherwise, they not only would not live like this, they, they couldn't live like this. You see, it's only as we have received a new nature of righteousness that we have the desire and the ability to practice righteousness. Let me show you this from Philippians chapter 2. You don't just one day decide, I think I'll live a righteous life. That's, that's called an attempt of reforming yourself. That's called New Year's resolution. But that's not what Scripture speaks of as far as regeneration and righteousness. Philippians chapter 2, two great verses, verses 12-12. And 13, where Paul says, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he says, work out your salvation. I didn't say work for your salvation, but what salvation is in you, work it out in practical living with fear and trembling. And notice this, the reason you can work out your salvation, you can live righteously, that's just another way of saying work out your salvation, He says, he explains, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You have a desire to do what's right, and you have the power to do what's right. And you have that because God is at work in you. He has planted within you his righteous nature. Of course, we have to grow in grace, but we have that righteous nature in there. Now, I want you to notice something that's important. Notice that John did not say that if you practice righteousness, you will be born again. That would be heresy. That would be heresy if we were teaching that, and John didn't say that. No one can make themselves right with God by trying to practice righteous behavior. That is work salvation. That is not what John is saying at all. See, that was the problem with the Pharisees of Christ's day and the observant Jewish people of Paul's day. They they tried to establish their own righteousness by their own behavior. Look at Romans chapter 10 and see what Paul said about this. Starting at verse 1, he said, Brethren, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for them, that is for Israel, is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. This is a glorious verse, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The moment we receive Jesus Christ, God credits His Son's righteousness to us. You and I have never kept the law in our un converted state. We were disobedient to everything in the law. But Jesus Christ came to earth. He perfectly kept the law of God, perfectly, In, in every way. The moment we trust Christ to be our Savior, God credits the righteousness of Christ, the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ, and he puts that on our account. We are clothed in his righteousness. He credits it to us. And he places... His nature within us so that we now desire to be righteous and conform to Christ's character. So, so what does that mean? Folks, it means that we have both legal righteousness on our record, legal righteousness, and we observe practical righteousness. Both of these things are true. Legal righteousness and we practice in our daily lives righteousness, but it is all because of God's grace and nothing in and of ourselves. See, what John is simply saying is that practicing righteousness is the mark of a child of God. Now, notice notice he did not say that knowledge was the mark of a true Christian. As important as Bible knowledge is, John didn't say that. That's what the Gnostics believed, only they weren't interested in Bible knowledge, but their silly philosophy. But they were wrong. I remember a man who attended church here for many years who seemed only to be interested in acquiring Bible knowledge and theological information. He loved to be mentally stimulated by Bible exposition. And every time I spoke to him about this, and we had a number of conversations over the years, and I, I kept trying to bring it back to practical righteousness, and, and he, he always seemed to, to justify what he was doing and, and uh, that he was okay, and he wasn't okay. He never admitted his error. His error was he, was he simply had knowledge and no heart change, no heart that had really been submitted to Christ. It was all about information and Bible knowledge. Well, that was the spirit of the Gnostics. Knowledge, they thought, was everything. But John says that it's not knowledge that's everything, but practical righteousness that distinguishes one as born again, not knowledge, practicing righteousness. That's the evidence that you've been regenerated. Notice, I want you to notice how many verses in Scripture speak about believers evidencing their salvation by the godly way that they live. And this was sort of how I responded to this uh, radio listener, just by pointing out some things to him. But James chapter 2 Verse 20, where where James develops this as he goes through this passage, but he he says in verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? If you say that you have faith, but you don't demonstrate it by godly works, James goes on to say it's dead faith. It's it's not real. It's, It's devilish faith. The devil has faith like that. Then look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the verses we love to quote about salvation being by grace, but we forget verse 10. So let me read all three verses. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. We affirm that, we believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. But if that's true, then your life will demonstrate it. Verse 10 says that, for we are his workmanship, we're his poem, literally, created in Christ Jesus, notice this, for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We walk in them because we've been saved by grace. Then, marvelous passage, Titus chapter 2. I mean, this isn't isolated, this is all over the scriptures, Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Titus says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. He doesn't mean that everyone will be saved, but, but men from all walks of life, men from all religious backgrounds, so forth, have come to faith in Christ. But what does the grace of God do? The grace of God, he tells us in verse 12, instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So you can't say, I'm saved by grace, so I'm not going to do anything. It doesn't matter. I just believe and I'm going to heaven. No, no. Paul says that grace instructs us to be godly. He goes on to say, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. We don't just say, I've been saved by grace, I'm just going to sit around and wait for the Lord to come back. Paul says, No, you've been redeemed and now you are his possession, zealous for good deeds. So, those are just some of the many verses that are found in the Word of God that tell us that if you're saved, there'll be fruit in your life, the fruit of a righteous life. Listen, but it's not simply these isolated verses or not simply these verses that we've pulled from Scripture, but everything we have studied so far in First John tells us that the evidence of being a true Christian is righteous behavior. He just keeps repeating himself in so many different ways so that those who have been born again will exhibit that they have the Father's righteous nature by obeying his commandments, chapter two, loving the brethren, chapter two, avoiding worldly behavior, chapter two, and believing the truth about Christ, chapter two. But not only that, I remind you that the entire Sermon on the Mount taught by Jesus is about pursuing righteous behavior as citizens of his kingdom. And in that sermon, he says, do not be like the religious hypocrites who only had an outward display of righteousness. It was an external form of righteous behavior, but the Pharisees knew nothing about inner holiness, inner godliness, like forgiving others. That's why Jesus addressed that in the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't forgive anybody. We're to forgive. That's an inner attitude. We pursue the right mental thoughts so that, so that as, as men, we, we curb lustful thinking about women, and we don't hate in our hearts. Our praying is concerned with God hearing us and not men's approval. As men and women of God who have been born again, we address the issue of worry so that we're, we, we deal with this. We're not, we're not content to just say, well, that's the way I am, to worry. No, we deal with our anxious thoughts We don't want to be untrusting of God. I mean, all this in the Sermon on the Mount is is to practice inner righteousness. Same thing that John is saying. Jesus said that's what the citizens of his kingdom do. And John says essentially the same thing by saying that's what those who are born again do. But they're saying the same thing. Now, folks, if someone says they are born again, but they don't practice righteousness, then what are we to conclude? They've never been born again. That's what we conclude. Later on in chapter 3, John will address the issue of people claiming to be saved, but who don't practice righteousness. Notice what he says in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. It's not a child of God. Those who practice sinning as an uninterrupted habit of life are children of Satan. They are not children of God. Listen, don't let anyone, John says, deceive you. And don't be deceived about your own life. If you've been born again, you will practice righteousness, even though there's sin in our lives. You will practice righteousness because you are a child of a righteous God You have his righteous nature within you. But if righteousness is just alien to you, it's not a reality in your daily life. Or if the only righteousness you know is just cultural stuff, legalistic stuff, conformity to to rules laid down by some Christian institution, and you have no concern for inner purity and godly attitudes, then you still need to be born again. So what is the one mark of someone who's born again? They practice righteousness. I hope you read this and and affirm in your own heart, yes, that's where I'm at. It's not of me, it's of the Lord, and I praise him for it. Let's bow for prayer. Father, it seems that in the last few weeks you've been hammering this truth home to us at Lakeside, and we can only conclude that this is exactly what you want us to hear, make sure that we're saved, make sure that those who we know who claim to believe in Christ but don't live like they should hear this as well. Help us to have the courage to address these issues in our own lives as well as in the lives of others, Lord. Not, not in a holier-than-thou attitude, but with a, a humility, Lord, that says that we care about them and we want to bring these things to their attention. So I pray that you'll help us to not be deceived to understand what you've written here. And Lord, thank you for the joy of being able to fellowship with you now so that when we see you face to face, we will not be like those who shrink back. We will be able to freely speak to you because we've spoken to you all of these years and we we do have boldness to approach you knowing that you have already dealt with our sin. Lord, so thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the freedom we have in talking to you and thank you lord we look forward to talking to you face to face and we pray this in your precious name
0: amen amen how about you do you look forward to seeing jesus face to face a little trepidation at the prospect of meeting our maker is healthy after all he is the infinite and almighty god but if we are his children we'll be joyfully anticipating that day we're glad you could join us today for verse by verse Pastor Steve Kreloff is teaching a series of lessons from 1 John. If you missed our last class and want to catch up, you can listen to it at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the Audio Archives tab. If you'd like to help finance these broadcasts, you can find giving information on our website as well. That's versebyverseradio.org. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area some Sunday and want to worship at Lakeside, The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. You can learn more at lakesidechapel.com or call 727-239-0306. If you'd like a free CD with this message, you can ask for that at that same number 727-239-0306. This is Jerry Peterson. I mentioned earlier that if we have trusted Christ for salvation, we have become children of God.